0: Listener production. A massive finals edition of the Footy Talk podcast for your Monday. We'll give you our best moments from the first week of finals. We'll talk about retirements plus which coaches earn themselves a two-year extension. This is coming up on the Footy Talk podcast. Daisy, over to you. Yes, thank you, Daisy. This, of course, is Footy Talk for your Monday, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Week one of finals is in the book, and as we wrap that up and cast an eye at some stage to week two, I welcome, as I look down the line, at two people who absolutely fill my cup on a Monday. I'm talking of the wonderful, the one and only Miss Abby Holmes in Adelaide, I'm led to believe.
1: Did you just hand over to yourself?
0: It'll make... (laughs) It'll make sense to the listeners.
1: All right, good. Yes, hello, Dale Thomas. Lovely to see you, and what a ripping weekend, the first weekend of... uh
0: yeah, finest footy, how good. Well, you went to three different states yesterday, which I'm
1: bloody impressed with. Yeah, it was a busy weekend. So obviously Thursday, Friday at the G, and then, yeah, flew to the Gabba uh, Saturday night and then and back to Windy Hill, which was, um, yeah, it was great to see elite footy return there after 11,720 days. It was just, awesome.
0: Just a quick one. Are you platinum status on all your frequent flying?
1: Uh, they're, they're healthy, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah,
0: congratulations to thank you. Thank you, thank you. And the unofficial <laughs> mayor of Perth, and the number one newsbreaker on this very show, all the way from the great state of Western Australia. Mr. Ryan Daniels, welcome. Uh, I'll tell you what, I want to know, thank you, Daisy. Uh, Abby,
2: how long has it been since you sat at the back of the plane? She doesn't understand that you can
0: walk on and go right you know, at the stage. Yeah,
2: after the first yeah. six rows, there's a whole other bunch yeah. of people sitting back there. And, that's and not- they all have to share the one toilet. No. You yeah. know that, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, no. Um, it is much nicer at the front of the plane. Oh, I
2: bet it is. Yeah. I bet it is. I'm yeah. still walking past those people going, one day. One yeah. day I'll get in there.
0: I'd never know. So I'm with
1: you, you, Rhino. West Australians, you never leave. You just stay Well, oh, that's true.
0: What? Why would you ever leave WA? You're
1: your own little country over there, aren't you?
0: Well, they certainly yeah. were throughout COVID, but that's a chat mm. for another time. Hey, <laughs> It was a massive first week of finals, and we're going to go around and give our MVP of who, who we personally loved from that first week. Abby Holmes, we will start with you. Mm. Lay it on thick.
1: It, this was a tough one because there were so many quality performances across the weekend, but I've gone with a twelve gamer in Jasper Fletcher. How good was he for the Brisbane Lions on Saturday night? Sixteen disposals, three goals from the wing, eighty-one percent efficiency. He pipped his dad as well. So his dad Adrian kicked two goals five in seven finals appearances during his career and Jasper comes out in his first ever final, plays with so much poise and composure as a young 19-year-old kid and, and just comes out and kicks three.
2: He's a good player, and, and How he's good is he? he's sort of flown under the radar this year because of Ashcroft's. Because mm. he's obviously they've got two father sons who are both really special. Ashcroft's been fantastic until he got injured, but Fletcher's been bloody good. And mm. and the composure and the calmness, and I suppose that helps when you have got all those experienced midfielders around you too, right? The Niels and the McGluggages and the Dunkleys. That Absolutely. that's a nice midfield group to join.
1: And they made him wait as well, so he only um, yeah made his debut literally twelve weeks prior, um, and has not met missed since so um, yeah he's had an amazing year and is now a pivotal part of this line's success
0: absolutely well done to he rhino who caught your eye in week one of the finals bobby the
2: builder bobby hill a fantastic performance his first final for collingwood just to rewind they got him so the pies sent a future second and pick 43 to the giants and they got back Bobby Hill and pick 40. It, that is the bargain trade of that trade period. I don't even have to look back at the other ones. I can already tell you. He was fantastic. And what I liked about Bobby's game is it was particularly that first quarter that really set him up. Like they, they just needed someone to be the spark plug to remove any intense pressure that they would have been feeling. It's like, no, no, we're on here. That's why they got him. He He's one of those guys who can win you a final with only seven or eight kicks. Um, he was excellent. He had, I think, eight contested possessions,
0: and he was tough on ground level. The a perfect small forward game. You know what I loved about it most? It was not only the, the brilliance that we've seen from him in terms of the speed and the nouse in front of goal. He was down on the last line of defence a couple of times as well. Mm. So his work rate, he's obviously got himself a lot fitter than he's ever been from an mm. aerobic point of view. And now he can have that impact that we've seen over a longer period rather than just bits and pieces like we saw at his uh, other club. Good point, Daisy. Uh, We'll (laughs) move along to your points. Uh, What did you love most? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to give my MVP this week to the fans. Now, footy oh, is made about oh. the fans. And <laughs> He's what a man love. of the people, isn't he? Thursday yeah. night, the Pies fans were going absolutely bunter. Then there might have been a small indiscretion between someone and someone else that will mm. get off and it'll be fine to play. Then yep. the Melbourne fans were booing. They were into Bruzzy Maynard. Then the Pies fans reacted with a standing ovation. I went Friday night, 95% of the crowd was Blues fans and they were going berserk. Not only that, 289 1,147 people went through the turnstiles over the first week, which is officially the highest number ever attended in a final series. To the fans out there, this is what it's all about.
1: Bloody well done to you. Unbelievable effort by the peoples. Um, That Friday night crowd in particular, I'm going to hone in on this one because, as you said, it was heavily weighted Carlton's way it would have been 80 20 85 15 um but I have not heard a sound like that in a very very long time and I obviously final siren out there straight to Paddy Cripps and just the look in his face um yeah that was something that I'll remember forever a very very special night at the MCG and, and the people were just amazing
0: the people will be back this week as well because Friday <laughs> night is going to be a massive game. We may touch on that one later. Abs, you're going to lead us off with a couple of your big talking points mm. from the weekend and no bigger than the story that's going down at Port Adelaide at the moment.
1: Yeah, Port Adelaide. They're a little bit banged up after the the weekend and it was such unfortunate timing for them in that third quarter up at the Gabba on Saturday night. So no sooner had they put in the paperwork to bring in Travis Boak as the sub, pull out um, Burn Jones, Dylan Williams goes down with a hammy, like literally as that paperwork was handed over. So Boom comes out grabbing his left hammy. He's out, eyes straight on that. 90 seconds later, Trent McKenzie goes down with an ankle, um, and that's where things really, really did start to unravel for Port Adelaide. So the timing was awful, and now I'm just concerned. They're coming up against a rampaging GWS side at Adelaide Oval this week, um, but they've certainly got got their concerns.
0: You know what's bullshit about all of that? So Travis Boak hadn't entered the playing arena at that point in time. So they've handed the paper and they've then gone, hang on a minute, he hasn't changed across, he hasn't gone onto the ground, can we... like reverse the sub and say it's going to be this person, and the AFL said no. Mm. What a bullshit rule that must be! I,
1: yeah, I get it if
0: folks on the field—that's hundred percent. You made you made your call, but if it to happen while he's still waiting to go on, he effectively has had no impact. Yeah, you I'm should with be you on able that one. to go for a second dip.
1: Yeah, he was on the I, interchange. Like, literally, it happened right in front of me. It was terrible, terrible timing. But it's also, I, I'm with you. Like, if he hasn't actually entered the game and played a, a second of footy, they should be able to quickly swap that over.
2: It's also better drama. If he's standing on the edge of the line waiting to come on and then they just they panic, you can see it yeah. panicking and you're down there, Abby, going, I don't know what's going on down here. And then when he crosses the line, then it's official. And yeah. this just better TV as well. So let's just do that. Let's just change it. Once they're on, then it's, then it's signed and sealed. But you can change right up until that last second.
0: We do have people across three different states today, so I'm going to enforce the rules that I was told in grade one. Please put your hand up respectfully <laughs> if you'd like to talk. Abs, what are you going to roll with number two? Something in around the blues?
1: Yeah, what are we thinking about the absence of... Harry Mackay this weekend. Um, That was really unfortunate. Just clipped his chin on the way down. He looked very, very shaky coming from the ground and then post-game did catch a little glimpse of him. He's not going to be there this weekend. And I guess where I'm going with this is the fact that the silver lining is that the Blues have had to spend a significant amount of time this season without him and they've survived it. That was when they actually started their their run of 10, 11, 12-plus wins. So they'll be confident in the fact that they can do it without him, but it is still a massive loss for the Blues in that forward line.
2: I think that you hit the nail on the head there, Abs. One thing that Carlton have done really well this year – since they've started humming is adaptability and they've lost stars whether it be Mackay or Walsh or whoever else along the way and they've managed to pivot and it's actually looked better every single time they've done it so I've got full confidence when I see Harry Mackay go down I don't panic like I would have at the start of the year with Carlton mm. instead I'm like okay well maybe it'll be someone else who steps up maybe the Koning will play well forward or maybe Silvani will step up or whatever or Kurnow will just kick six instead of kicking
0: three mm. um, I just think that's been their strength the interest in me around the- I've watched this knock and hit a million different ways. It must have been some sort of whiplash because there was actually no real contact to... A chin, a head, a a temple or anything where you usually see if someone gets up that groggy and that wobbly, he could barely feel his feet underneath him from just that weird uh, knocking motion. So it'll be interesting to see when he does come back and what sort of time frame the Blues put on it. Mm -hmm. He obviously can't play this week with the 12 days, but whether or not he's going to be, I guess, right for the next week if they do proceed.
1: That's where it's so strange, isn't it, is that you can cop an, a massive you know, knock to the head and, and be okay, or you can have something, as, as we've just seen from the, the vision, it doesn't look like anything, but it's yeah. obviously had a great effect on Harry.
0: And you have been around the country, as we discussed. You've done the AFL on the Thursday, Friday, and then just rolled straight in seamlessly to the AFLW. <laughs> what is your biggest takeaway from this?
1: Uh, my biggest takeaway here is that the AFLW season eight flag is Melbourne's to lose. We declaring it after two declaring rounds. Declaring it after two rounds. I know that it's very early. Well, actually, that's twenty um,
0: percent of the season. It's probably a big enough <laughs> sample size.
1: Exactly. In a short season, we only need a short sample size. Um but the D's were unbelievable against the Giants yesterday. Seventy seven point winners at the uh, the Giants home deck. And Kate Hoare, she has stepped in to this captaincy unbelievably well. She had 23 disposals for five goals, two, kicked three in the opening quarter. Um, is just an unbelievable, unbelievable player. And um, For me, we focus so heavily on midfielders as league MVPs, and rightly so, but she would certainly, uh, with the form that she's producing at the moment, be, be up there as one of the favourites this year. The only... Other side at, at this point in time that I think is um, really going to push Melbourne is North Melbourne, which is exciting to see them do so well. They had a 60 point win against Carlton, Ash Riddell, Jasmine Garner, both had 36 disposals. Brisbane and Adelaide also have been obviously up there as the best teams in the competition um, throughout the, the competition so far since its inception. But I just get the sense that Melbourne is just that step ahead.
0: It's funny when you talk about uh, finals and ladders and whatnot when you do your predictors. If you currently look at the AFLW ladder, the Kangaroos are on top and they have a healthy percentage of 554.5 and the Ds are in second with a slightly less healthy 324.5. So they are just smacking teams Mm. at the moment and we'll keep an eye on that as it just progresses through as we work towards the finals in the back half of that. Hey, Rhino. Rhino. I know that you are ready to go over there. You've come in with a real strut today. Shoulders back. You've got all the merch on. You've got seven on one side. You've got triple M on the other. (laughs) You've got a sponsored tattoo on your forehead. I'm not sure who that is. I think that might be. Uh, It is Bob Jane T-Mart. So we thank (laughs) them for the ongoing support. You want to start off and you want to start talking about colours. Yeah, we're speaking about colours and swagger. This
2: boy has become a man. I'm not talking about you, Daisy. I'm talking about (laughs) Tom Green from the GWS Giants. This kid is right now, I I think there's an argument that he is, if not the best, one of the top two or three inside midfielders in the AFL. He wins clearances for fun. He had five on the weekend, eight score involvements, 35 disposals. He is now at the point where he is the master of his craft. He's played 65 games. He controlled that midfield beautifully in the big moments the other night when St Kilda kept trying to come back and challenge at the MCG on Saturday. He just kept standing up and winning clearances. That combination with Josh Kelly was fantastic. I just love this kid. I think he goes mm. about his business. Uh, there was some concern, I guess, you know, is he is he ready for the finals I and mean, that responsibility in the finals? Well, you can throw that out the window. Uh, Tom Green is a star and he is a man.
1: Do we not speak about him enough? No. If he was playing for a Carlton or a Collingwood, Mm. this guy would be rolling off the tongue of every single person in the media landscape 17,000 times a day. But because he is up there, New South Wales, as we know, a little bit more removed to the Melbourne media landscape. But as you just said, he has had an unbelievable season and what he did on Saturday afternoon was incredible to watch.
0: I think we certainly talk enough about one tea Green. Uh, we just need to yeah. drop, we just need to drop a vowel and start talking about the other the other, uh, the other big game performer, and it's hard to look past this from one of the better performances we've seen thus far in the final series. A man who's copped a bit of flack along the journey, you mm. want to give him a shout out. Okay, so let's rewind back three years. Joe Danaher was coming off
2: three injury and I say injury riddled, he had played 15 games across three years. He could not get his body right. He was starting to look like he would never realize the potential. And if you re- remember what he was to Essendon, the Danaher name, mm. the, the great white hope, the man who was going to lead them back to relevance and final success. And it never panned out. Brisbane come in, they trade for, they sign him and then Essendon gets their you know, compensation pick. Don't get me started on that. He then goes to Brisbane and his whole body gets fixed somehow, right? These <laughs> Brisbane strength and conditioning and fitness guys are unbelievable. They do it time and time again. It's the weather. Dana- it's, has to it's, be. They love the humidity. The body oh. loves it, right? But in the last three seasons, he's played 67 games. He combined that to his last three at Essendon, 15. Now, mm. he's kicked 56 goals this year, five on the weekend. I've said all year if Brisbane's going to win the flag, it's because Joe Danaher stands up in finals. And the first one out of the way tick. Now they've got a home prelim.
1: He did it off his own boot last year as well. The Lions against Richmond, I think it was. And it was game 150. He kicked four. It was a very, very close game. He just steps up when they need him most. And um, on the weekend, he's so hard to match up on as well because he works so high up the ground. But then he's actually, yeah, he is quite quick as soon as he gets that run on and streaming back to... Back towards goal, and the combination of him and Hippie, but then the Smalls, Charlie Cameron, um, Cam Rayner was unbelievable as well. That that forward line is so potent
2: do you feel for Essendon? Because there's a world where this just worked out, where his body was better at Essendon and he. you think of what they need right now, it's it's a player like Joe Danaher filling that forward line, kicking 50 a year and just leading from the front. It, it's kind of sad that it didn't work out there. I'm really happy for Brisbane and really happy for him, but it would have been nice that Danaher name at Essendon, it means so much. But that's just how footy works, sliding doors and his career has taken off into a brilliant second chapter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And well done, to, as you say, to the Brisbane medical staff, yeah. because if you had stayed at the Bombers and you say you feel for him, he may have only Got another year or two out of that and continued with serious injury. And where that leaves your career is probably a question for the other day. I still
1: find it strange that he lives in New South Wales, but I find it strange
0: that he doesn't have a television. I didn't know either of those two things. That's fascinating.
1: (laughs) He lives on the border. (laughs) Wow.
0: We talk about the Saints um, and. Look, a, a fantastic season from them. Yeah. But they bow out now and you've got some questions. I do. And, look, I think if you'd said what's the ceiling for the Saints this
2: year, you would have thought the absolute ceiling was making the finals and, and you know, playing in one. And I think they could tick that box. And Ross Lyon does. I've I got a theory. He gets you two to three wins uh, over most coaches because he keeps those games close and defensive style. And it's great. And the players all do buy in. But how do they become – a better side how do they become a contending side not just a team that's going to scrape into finals and you know maybe try to win one i think they've got to get quicker and they've got to get younger so i had a look at what they've got coming in pick 13 is, is what they're going to end up with that's you, you, you're hopeful that you can get a really a difference making player but there's no guarantees at that pick the other one is liam henry who mm. it, it, by all reports is choosing st kilda and my information says that he wants to live with brad hill they're quite close uh he wants to play under ross Lyon. so 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 it it, it makes a lot of sense. He's going to be an interesting piece to add to that wing. He's very quick. Imagine him on one wing and Brad Hill on the other wing. You're going to get some skill and you're going to get some pace Um, and what they've got from Wanganine Miller. So they are starting to get quicker um, and they are getting younger. So that's exactly what they need to do. But – Where is this St Kilda team going? Do you think this is a team that can build into a premiership contention within the next three to four years?
1: What do you mean by get younger? Because they've blooded some unbelievable kids this year. You look at obviously, um, yeah, and Max King was missing. Membry was missing early. But the kids that came in, the the Filippo, the Caminidi. Um, Mitch Owens, as you said. Wanganine Malera. They they probably delivered over and above what was expected from them this season, particularly early.
2: That is a good point. I still think they need a, another couple of goes at the draft and another couple of goes yeah. at younger players. they got some assets that they can move on. Guys like Jack Billings, who's not getting a game, whether Jack Jade Gresham's going to be there or not, the, the suggestion is he's probably not going to be there given he hasn't signed yet. So they've got a couple of things that they can work, what they get yeah. in those spaces, and try to get into that draft.
1: Uh,
0: the thing and the beauty of what Ross has done there now, though, is there's players who two or three years ago wouldn't have been going, you know, what if I'm weighing up between going to a Geelong or a St Kilda? Oh, geez, I probably probably... probably just go to Geelong because it's known Mm. what we're going to get. The Saints now, because of the path they're on, the clear direction, they're going to get players nominating as we've seen already with um, Liam Henry it is, saying that's where I want to go. So no doubt there's a fair bit of that from the Ross Factor. Hey, super hot start from you to stick around with us here on the footy talk podcast (laughs) coming up next i'll be discussing my three big things plus we'll take you through all the news and boy oh boy believe it there is plenty of that knocking around this is the footy talk podcast You are listening to the Footy Talk Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the bell. I'm going to run you guys through what I loved out of the first week of finals and some concerns I have going forward. Now, I start with the Melbourne forward line. That on Thursday night was the most dysfunctional forward line you're ever likely to see, plus 32 inside 50s, which equated to only one more mark than the Pies. They took nine marks from 69 inside 50s and had 22 shots They need to sort that out because you cannot have that much dominance and produce what they did.
1: 69 inside 50s for seven goals. Like, that is disgusting. Yep. And if I'm Simon Goodwin, who this entire season has been trying to find that connection uh, forward of the ball and, and really find that perfect blend in his forward line group, I'm worried. I'm worried this weekend. and. During that time where they started to figure it out, it was when Christian Petrarca was spending predominantly you know, predominantly most of the game, game time inside 50. So oh, I, I do have concerns for them in that forward half.
2: Yeah, you're right. When, when they went on that little streak, you were looking at it, and they were winning close games, but Petrarca was kicking four goals. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, how sustainable is that? Because you kind of need him in the middle you too. The thing about finals is, and you guys know this better than anyone, whatever your weakness is throughout the year... That's what will expose you in finals, whether you're a a terrible contested team or you don't have enough run or your back line's a little shaky and you're missing one key back. And for Melbourne, it's been – the obvious thing all year has been they haven't been able to figure out the forward line mix. They've got some good players up there, but it doesn't gel. Uh, and guess what? That's the thing that's exposed them last week. And will it be the thing that kills them on Friday night and potentially a straight sets exit? Um, hopefully they step up. They're going to lose Van Royen as well, which adds to that too. Mm. Um, but it's it's not a great space for them to be in.
1: Daily? Yes. How did Tom McDonald go, and is there potential for Brody Grundy to, to be a chance this weekend? Well,
0: Tom McDonald was, oh, I don't even think, and I'm a big I'm a big pumper-upper of players, and that's probably yeah. not a word, but I, I don't think it was a pass mark whatsoever, and you can understand why. Played a stack of footy in the VFL, come into a finals environment where the intensity, the speed of the game goes up, and he looked like he was still going at the same rate mm. that you would in the VFL. Van Ruyen goes out. Bailey Fritch's foot was not hitting the ball anywhere near it. Malksham isn't there. The options they have now is either Petrarca forward or somehow get Gorn to go forward. I don't see how you don't just go, right, Brody. I know this has been a work in progress. Mm. Let's just dump you in the forward line and we're going to kick it anywhere near you. We don't give a stuff if you mark it. We're just going to hit it long and deep because they didn't do that whatsoever. They were having shots from 40 plus metres and you just come and fight your backside off and give us a soft drop. Then we can send Cozzy Pickett in, we can send Oliver in, we can send Viney in, we can send Petrarca in, we can get little Cade Chandler fanging around that forward line. We just need to get it in there deeper than what we did and even if we don't kick a goal, we'll set up behind the footy and give Mm. ourselves another chance. I know it's not perfect, but I think it's a lot better option than what we saw on the weekend.
1: And the body of work as well that Brodie Grundy's put in over the last month, month, playing in the VFL, of course. he's He's been doing some great things there.
0: What if he's the saviour? So, imagine uh, if he
1: comes out and kicks five. K- <laughs> uh, kicks four this week,
0: five <laughs> for next, and then six on grand final day. Or imagine. D- just somehow steers them through is the conversation. And
1: then, and then
0: goes to Port Adelaide or Sydney. You know how we said this wasn't working. Uh, we've changed it. It's yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, we'll uh, stay. off
0: to Port Adelaide. But I hope for Brodie's sake that he does get another opportunity. The other option, of course, is Josh Shackey, who was a, a big a high draft pick a few years ago, hasn't really found his spot at the level. So whether or not they throw that option. But if he's re- weighing up, I think, between Tom McDonald, Ben Brown, Shackey or Brodie Grundy. I'm taking Brodie Grundy every day of the week for what that's worth.
2: Can I just ask, lastly, I know Simon Goodwin said it doesn't matter and it happens all the time, but after Brodie met with the Port Adelaide guys last week, do you, do you can you rule a line through him at that point and say, well, mate, clearly you've half checked out? Or do you think it doesn't matter like Simon Goodwin said? Is Simon Goodwin being honest in that case or is he privately seething that that's happening right
0: now?
1: I was big on this last week with you, Dale, just saying if I'm Simon Goodwin <laughs> and I'm – Dale. Oh, no, sorry, Daisy. Uh, I sound like your mother.
0: You did. Um, I thought I just got in trouble. <laughs> yeah.
1: But if I'm Simon Goodwin, I'm anybody from the Melbourne Footy Club, I'm supporters of the Melbourne Footy Club, and I'm seeing Brodie Grundy going to meet with Port Adelaide, I'm pissed off yeah. because you're in a finals. And you, you were of a different opinion in this. But I... Just think that you need to be solely, solely focused on on September and what's happening in the club and the environment that you're in at that point in time. I think
0: you can do that with having a conversation. He's not...
1: But you can have a conversation on October 1. Yeah,
0: I get the point. But they're obviously in town for the awards and whatnot. So Mm. uh, the timing is I think we eventually will become more mature as an organisation and get to where it goes in the NRL. Players Mm. sign deals through the middle of the season and then play the – I hate, the- that. I hate that. You don't think know, we get there? The, and I know no. that player
2: movement, it's usually – the start of it happens 12 months before it happens. That's typically how it works in the mm. AFL. I get that. But I don't like the it's official, I'm going to this club – halfway through a year I can't Mm -hmm. I just can't buy into it It, it, that to me screams of like well off you go then like see you later you're out because mentally you're in another place (laughs) and financially you're in another place see you later
0: like I can't do it it'll be interesting because I think just the way the landscape goes eventually it will get to that whether or not we have to like it or not the orange tsunami is my second point here and the GWS Giants from what they've done three and seven to start the year Mm. the way they're playing and we've spoken enough About the players, I think we give them a massive tick for what they've done. But you have to stand up, take notice of the performance of Kingsley as a coach in his first season. Fantastic.
1: Down to timing, doesn't it, Rhino? Like, as you just said, Daisy. I was going to say Dale again. (laughs) uh, Three wins, seven losses to start the season, and then they've just gone whack. But that that team, if I'm any opposition coming up against them, whether it's you know Port Adelaide this week or, or potentially in a prelim. I'd be bloody scared. They're, they're looking so strong.
2: And and to be, like you said, abs three and seven, as a brand new coach, if you didn't believe in your ability and, and in the, the way that you wanted to coach, that could start making you doubt yourself. You could be mm. like, well, hold on a minute. Maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I'm not the right guy for this. He clearly didn't do that. Um, and the the extra part of it is, too, they lost Stephen Canelio the day before the game whatever with that with the eye at training like that's a huge out for them he's been in their top three this year so to lose him and then not freak out and have somebody else step up uh, that tells me that that is a well-organised, well-structured team and that they're going to be okay no matter what happens to them in the lead-up to finals games.
0: It's exciting to watch when they get on the run that they are. The last one I want to talk about, and this is going to be the biggest talking point for this week. It could potentially roll over to next week if the Tribunal goes on holidays again. <laughs> Free the bras. Free the buzz. Start the campaign petition? now. Start the campaign. I went yeah. through the numbers last week. Over 300,000 people listened to this show. Of that breakdown, 60% are Collingwood fans. So we want them to free the bras. Jump on board. Yes. Craig McRae wanted the last year, the kids, last week I should say, the kids to wear their jumpers to school. Daisy says do that as well and just start chance whenever you can of free the bras. Get the bras off. He needs to play. Don't be... Party Poopers, the AFL.
1: Surely, surely that's a footy action and it's unfortunate <laughs> that, um, you know.
0: The trepidation in your voice and the fact that oh, I'm pleading, God, I think means please. that we all know he might be in a bit of Barney rubble, but please wow. but He was very
1: clearly trying to smother the ball, footy action, and gravity says what goes up must come down. And, and unfortunately, Angus Brayshaw was was on the down, on the down. So um, I'm of the opinion that that these things unfortunately happen. It is football and and sometimes head knocks do happen. Um, But that that to me was absolutely nothing. Um, Nothing, I guess, I don't even know what to say. Do you think he
0: gets off? Let's go around the room because I don't. Yes, please.
2: Okay, I'm going to start and just say, if you take the emotion out of it and you oh, just follow it. Can you see
1: how emotional I am? I'm like, he needs a voice.
2: <laughs> like in oh tears God. in Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Dale's in the corner in a fetal position. I'll just take it back to how they structure these bands. And and when you go straight to the tribunal for starters, you're either getting off or you're getting three at least, right? So that's how it works. <laughs> now, was it intentional or was it careless? Clearly, it wasn't intentional. So it was careless, right? So that's already a tick. in that side. Yep. So if you go into the impact of it, it was. Would you call that severe? Yeah. I would call that severe because Brayshaw is definitely going to miss a final and he missed the rest of that game. And the contact, it was high. Hit him in the head. So those three things equal to three plus and straight to the tribunal. Now, what he's going to have to argue is that I – was trying to protect him and myself because mm. people will say, well, he's just trying to protect himself with that action. But you, the onus is on the player to also protect the other player, which is insane because you've got what point one of a second to protect two different people. I, I I think ideally, and if we looked at this four years ago, he'd be fine. Yep. But I was watching when Luke Shuey retired a few weeks ago, we went to his press conference and they played a video like a hero video before, you know, with all these highlights, the first five clips were sling tackles, bumps, every single one of them. I was like, that's three weeks, that's two weeks. But in those times, two, three, four, five years ago, these were great tackles. And it's the same thing that's happening here because of the onus on the head. Something like this, which we all think is quite just accidental and a footy act, he's probably going to go. That doesn't mean I think he should. I just think by the letter of the law, he's going to get matches. He's going to get three.
0: I'm in the the same camp. I'm praying and hoping he does it, but I think the AFL will land on three. I,
1: well, no, I just want to say quickly, just driving in here this morning, I was listening to Triple M Adelaide, and they said that apparently initially it wasn't even going to get anything, but it was Laura Kane that came over the top and said, no, that's going straight to the tribunal.
0: Well, at wow. least at least we've done that. Get it to the tribunal, have your say, and we can watch it all unfold. There is plenty of other news knocking around. And the Blues, they were going to sack this bloke mid-season, I and now there's an extension coming. The Michael Voss back from the dead.
2: He was hanging just last last thread he was in the middle of the season and then everything shifted. Now they've won a final. They're charging into September. You like them a little bit against Melbourne on Friday night, potentially big crowd. The blue baggers are up and about. Two-year extension for Michael Voss, which was at the start of the year, if you'd said, right, what's more likely? Michael Voss is gone or he's getting a two-year extension. I reckon most people would have said he's probably more likely to go. Like, it's a phenomenal performance. And we talked about um, briefly before with GWS and Adam Kingsley. It's the same with Voss. He could have wavered. He could have gotten shaky. He could have started to panic. He didn't. Credit to him. Steady hand. He's turned him around. And well done to him on an extension.
0: I work in the wagering business. If I had a frame to market at round fifteen, when the Blues were sitting fifteenth, for them to yep. play two finals and for Michael Voss to get a two-year extension, I think we'd be talking somewhere in around the three to four million to uh, one sort of market name your price. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yep. Write your own ticket, and we'll pay it out. You have lost the plot. The other big one, and we. Don't really like retirements, but it is a great chance to celebrate news out of Melbourne. Yeah,
2: uh, Michael Hibbert, who has been a really fantastic player over a long career now, Essendon and Melbourne, Premiership player at the D's. He's going to hang him up at the end of the year. This is one thing I do like. You know, we talked about the contract staff and players meeting it. I love a retirement that they call it early, that just gives the team one little extra carrot to dangle in front. Hey, we love Hibbo. He's one of our guys. He's been a brilliant servant of this club. When we got him, he was part of the turnaround. Around Because you remember when, when they got Hibbard from Essendon, it was probably a fairly under-the-radar move, but it yep. was one of the things that Melbourne did that won them that flag, because they needed role players. They needed guys to just do the tough stuff, and that's what hibo has been. And a fantastic kick of the footy, hit, particularly in his days at Essendon. He was much more of an attacking weapon there. So hats off to, to Hibbo. Um Maybe it gives Melbourne just that last little bit of edge they're going to need to get over the line, because these things do matter.
0: It certainly does, and that will no doubt give them a spike as they take on the Blues on Friday night. Abby Holmes, thank you so much for finding your way to whatever studio and whatever state you're in to come (laughs) with us today. Thanks, Daisy. Rhino, as treat as always. You have yourself a wonderful week over there in Perth. Will do. And listeners out there, you have yourselves a wonderful week as well. This has been the Footy Talk Podcast. Coming up tomorrow, Joey and Rui to give you all your news, interviews and anything else you need from the world of AFL. Listener.